gritty culture and class in America. Live from Long Island's Gold Coast, this is the Melissa Itell Duran Show on Breaking It Down Radio with co-host Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Melissa Itell Duran Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Renaissance woman, Melissa Itell Duran is our host each and every week. She's the subject of a couple of documentaries. Uh, you can see them on Melissa Vision, on Roku TV, and or uh, Amazon Fire. And she's the author of several books, and she does everything uh, very, very well. And, uh, of course, she's our host each and every week. Go to MelissaItellJoran.com and check out documentaries there. Melissa, how are you? I'm doing great, Frank. How are you? Good. How's former President Trump doing? Is he starting to slip a little tiny bit? Well, a little bit among some voters, and some Republican voters in certain states. They got, they're not exactly thrilled with the prospect of his gaining the nomination, and, and not, not that they're happy with the Biden-Trump rematch, if that is to happen again, but they certainly uh, don't want to have, uh, they really don't want to see him back in the White House. And, and what states are we talking about? Are we talking about some swing states? No, not necessarily. Actually, smaller states like New Hampshire, for example. Is Christie picking up ground in New Hampshire? I don't know about that, but it doesn't seem that, the, that New Hampshire is thrilled with the vast majority of these people Yeah, running on the Republican side. That's interesting. Uh, New, New Hampshire is considered a bellwether. There used to be all kinds of uh, statistics that, um, you know, uh, whoever won New Hampshire uh, in, in, uh, in this, you know, ended up doing that and ended up getting the nom. You know, there used to be things like that. But I guess they say that about a lot of states. Uh, but New Hampshire's won. What, are, what other states have come up in, in that kind of conversation? Um, well, not the, not necessarily big swing states, but the smaller states that do have, as you said, bellwethers in, in, in you know in, in, in presidential primaries. Um, but I, I think if you go to um, you go there to, to certain pockets out you know out west that we don't don't normally associate with uh, you know the telltale signs of um, you know reading the tea leaves of who's going to be, in, you know, in, in the running. Um, he's really not, uh, people are not that, uh, they don't have confidence. Did we lose you for a second, Melissa? It, we lost you for a split second there, but you were talking about voter confidence in, in not swing states necessarily, but smaller states and oh, yes, um, western oh, states. Right. Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't ignore what's going to happen in Georgia. I yes. think places like Georgia, or even Pennsylvania or Arizona, which is another that's another telling point. Yeah, those states you just mentioned two key states, Arizona and Georgia, and usually they were looked at as as red states. Those uh, those two, um, but uh, lately. You know, well, Biden won both of those states, right? He won Georgia and he won Arizona. So the thing is, like, if if Trump is slipping in states like that, forget it. Because the swing states used to be, it used to, you know, be be a law, at least, you know, I guess coming from, like, an unwritten law, 
coming from, um, uh, uh, I, I guess, the Bush-Gore days and the Bush-Kerry days, that you got to win two of the three of Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida. you got to win two of those three or you're dead. And, uh, and that was like the real swing states. It's not like that anymore if you lose Georgia and you lose Arizona, if you're a Republican. So this is, you know, I'm not saying it's time to hit the panic button, but a Republican should really take it seriously, whether uh, whether or they, not they want President Donald Trump, uh, former President Donald Trump, uh, trying this again if he's if he's struggling in states like uh, Georgia and Arizona. Right, and and uh, the the fact that he's got he seems to have all this support everywhere is not really enough to to help him, you know, cross you know cross the finish line. He's vastly unpopular with the ranks of the Republican Party, and his base is not enough to carry him over, as I can see. And as much as people are, are not thrilled with the prospect of another, you know, Biden administration, and of course the likelihood that Biden could even another term, we know who's waiting in the wings. Um, it doesn't seem to deter a lot of people if they have to make that choice. They're voting for, they're seeing it as voting for the lesser of two evils, I think. Yep. I I think so. You know, and, and there's another there's there's another thing that that may come into play and I don't know that that it will or not, but I I saw recently this picture of Biden on a bike. And maybe maybe we talked about it last week, but uh, uh you know, uh, Joe Biden on the bike, President Joe Biden on a bike and he looks all in really tip-top shape and he's riding the bike, you know, pretty well for an 80-year-old. And, you know, I know that's not his that's not his issue. And that's not the uh, the issue with people. But uh, I think uh, who was the who's the guy that put Oh, Stephen King. Maybe I mentioned this to you, but Stephen King, the uh, the author, posted it on the former Twitter, which is now X. I don't even know what the hell is going on with all of that. Right. But um, but anyway, uh, and Stephen King posted Biden on the bike next to Trump in a golf court uh, uh, cart. And Trump looked unbelievably overweight. He looked like he was 75 pounds overweight, and he was slumped over, and he just looked terrible. And um, and Stephen King, who I guess is a Democrat and anti-Trumper, um, uh, well, I shouldn't say he's a Democrat, but he's certainly an anti-Trumper. He made some kind of comment uh, about uh, this picture. I don't know if you saw that. Melissa, did you see that? Um, I, I don't think I did, but... Uh no, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, again, uh, Biden's problem is not physically, you know, what he looks like physically. It's what he, he's like with, oh, let, let me ask you this question. And this came up the other day in conversation. Before I do, Melissa, I tell join.com a great place to go as a starting point. Please go there. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Melissa, I tell Jorn each and every week as our host. Uh, Melissa, Somebody brought up last week about um, what was earlier this week about Biden being a stutterer and, you know, like once a stutterer, always a stutterer in a sense. So when he slows down his speech and he uh, he says things, um, it almost it almost sounds like he's he's trying to get his thoughts together. People are commenting that, well, it's it's not that he's getting his thoughts together. Now that he's getting older and now that his mind isn't as sharp, uh, he's probably worried about the stuttering coming back because that 
could be killer, you know, if he just starts stuttering all over the place. And I don't want to minimize that because I know a lot of people listening probably have a stuttering issue. But uh, quite frankly, when, you, uh, when you're running for president or you are the president, you're running for re-election, you don't want to start stuttering again. Do you think there's any truth to that? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, if, if Biden has a stuttering problem, that it shouldn't be, uh, you know, a, a mark against him. It, 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 the other things are, you know, I think it's worse that he, he has moments where he forgets what he, his train of thought and then he's now he's starting to repeat parts of what he's saying, or his stories, you know, they trail on to other things that make no sense. And you have to, you know, I guess if you're, you know, if you you want to cut him some slack, you say, well, all right, you know, he's uh, he's 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 80 or 80, is he 80 or 81? I don't even remember. Um, and then look at at um, Mitch McConnell freezing for what for a total for a minute, minute and a half, and saying, and then coming back as though nothing had happened, and and his medical office saying, uh, doctor saying, oh, he's, he's in perfect health. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. I that, mean, yeah. Yeah, scary. Yeah, it is, yeah. And then you have to tell yourself, well, look at their ages. Yes, of course, this is an argument for, for term limits. For um, in, in, in early retirement, or or at least the you know enforced retirement, but um, you know this they elected Joe Biden knowing full well that this man was uh, up in years, and he is is not spry. I mean, there are people who are 80 years old, 81, and they're very active. Their minds are working uh, fabulously, and and even if they have physical limitations, they're still very sharp. Uh, everybody ages differently. I mean, look at Henry Kissinger, who just celebrated his 100th birthday. Uh, no, he can't run a marathon, but he, and he does travel occasionally. He makes overseas trips, appears at conferences, appears at uh, important events. He was at the uh, the Bilderberg um, the, the Bilderberger. Um, yeah, the, the I know big, what that uh, is. That's supposed yeah, to be the, the power big, of all power meetings. Yes, that's by invitation. Yeah. You know, and all the you know the who's who and and diplomatics and and political circles are invited, and it's you know top secret and uh, not as bad as some of these other ones that I think border on you know messianic uh, cults, yeah, or, or, or chapters. But he still appears, you know, and and you know when you see him interviewed, he's yes, he's he's not he's a shell of himself, but he's he can still give interviews. I mean, how many of us can do that, or will be able to do that if we should make it to 100? Yeah. No, listen, no question about it. Um, the, the answer to your question earlier is is he's currently 80. on November, And I'm just getting this, you know, online here. Uh, November 20th, uh, he'll be 81, and that's President Biden will be. And, uh, you know, the other, the other criticism he gets is, is that he's a malatrop. Is that the is that the word? He uh, he mixes up words. No, um, um, well, yeah, he. Uh, a malatrop, mala, malatrope. Yeah, I know it's malatrope. I know. I have it on my tongue too. Yeah. Yes. So, but it's it's actually appropriate. Malatropism. Ma- malatropism, right? So the thing is, like, as I'm uh, uh, as I'm screwing up malatropism, uh, that's that's the exact definition of of a malatrope, right? Is somebody who mixes up their words like they'll say uh you know what is it uh like uh, the pineapple of 
um, the, the pineapple of success instead of the pinnacle of success. So, you know, they'll mix up a word and screw up, a, a, you know, like a key phrase. And uh, he does that much more than Trump does. You know, Trump is not like that. You know, Trump sounds very sharp when he's talking. And, and when verbally, Trump crushes Biden. I mean, let's, let's face it. He's just, I can imagine a, uh, you know, a debate and, you know, like uh, Trump could come across mean, but Trump does sound sharp. You know, he's funny, he's witty, he's whatever. And, uh, and Biden's just not great on his, on his feet. Is that fair to say? I think it's as fair as you can say. I mean, I, I, whether or not he's taking any, any medication to, to keep him to regain his lucidity and, and when he needs to is another question. I mean, he's gone off the point, you know, off topic. He has veered off whatever the teleprompter is telling him to say. And, and it's, it's a known fact. He, he's, he's got people talking in his ear telling him, you know, now we turn here, now we go there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt that's going on. Um, who do you think his chief advisors are at this point? Do you have any idea? Uh, it used to be Ron Klain, but he's gone now. Yeah. I'm sure it's, uh, you know, whoever is, um, whoever has an association with, uh, you know, with, with the, the, the former Obama cabinet, um, maybe, uh, you know, uh, Susan Rice isn't there anymore, but still, it, it's got to be people people from the Obama camp who are calling the shots. I think Susan Rice was uh, was a, a big, I don't know, loss, but uh, whoever's filling those shoes is, and not that I, you know, love Susan Rice, uh, but uh, I, I think she was, she had a lot to say uh, with Biden early on. I mean, uh, right or wrong, I mean, she seemed to have some control um, over, uh, over President Biden. Uh, it, do you uh, did you sense that? Well, she was put in a very odd position, a domestic policy chief, which is really not her. I wouldn't say it's her expert, her area of expertise, but I think what she was put there to you know to to, to be around and and oversee what was going on. Uh, but um, I, I I just. Um, I, I I don't know what she I, I I think that there are other people who were around who were who are, you know, advising him or or overseeing everything. I don't think he's he's not doing this himself. Yeah, there's no no doubt. How about Dr. Jill? I know I brought that up in the past, and uh, and you know we didn't really get into it heavily. What about Dr. Jill Biden? Is uh, is she, um, you know, pulling some strings behind the scenes? That's possible. That's what everyone's been saying, you know, that, that he's running again because, uh, well, in part, he, maybe he wants to. I mean, the president doesn't want to. The only president decided not to seek an, uh, another term um, was uh, Johnson, and then Truman didn't, didn't, Truman didn't want to run after you, uh, his first term. Um, but um, I, it's definitely, I, definitely Dr. Biden, as she wants to be called, uh, is probably all in on this. Yeah, you know it's hard. Um, it's hard to think that uh, that she doesn't have an awful lot to say about what's going on uh, with this. Uh, you, you know, with this thing. Like, if she didn't want it, I think that she could stop this. Probably. I just I don't know. I don't know what the relationship is. I know Michelle Obama had a very 
you know, I, I, th I think she had a tremendous amount to say, obviously, and, and so did uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, I don't think Melania had a lot to say with what went on in this. I think she played along. I, I think sometimes as first lady, and, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful at all, but I think Melania looked like a hostage at times, what, like she really didn't want to be there. She wanted to raise Barron. She wanted him to have as normal a life as he possibly could as a Trump. And um, But I don't think she had a lot to say with what went on. Um, you know, I don't think she had superior leverage uh, where I think Hillary did. And I think, um, you know, uh, certainly Michelle Obama did. Would you agree with that assessment? I, I think you're, you're, that's a pretty good, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty good um, painting picture of what we have. I, I really think so. Uh, although, you know, Michelle, Michelle Obama exists in her own world. She's, in, she's on her, in her own orbit. Yeah, she really is. You know? Yeah, yeah. Nancy Reagan's another one I could put in that category. I think she had an awful lot to say about what was going on. Um, I don't know if, uh, if you got that sense, especially towards the end when, when President Reagan was not, um, was not himself. And uh, I don't think he had an awful lot of, uh, um, uh, you know, leverage on, on uh, the, uh, the whole situation, especially the second term, you know, when he defeated Mondale. Um, I think uh, I think Nancy Reagan had a lot going on by necessity. I think by midterm he was uh, uh, he was he was really kind of losing it a little bit, and I say it with the greatest respect. And I'm not an ageist or anything like that. We'll all be there, hopefully, God willing, right? We'll all be there one day. Uh, Frank McKay here once again. Melissa Itelljourn.com is a great place to go. Check out the documentaries there. Um, Melissa Itelljourn. I, uh, Melissa, uh, Nancy Reagan, as as opposed to Jill Biden, do we know enough about the inside movement that's going around to even make an assessment on whether or not um, uh, whether or not Jill Biden is uh, is that much in control or has that much influence? I definitely think she does. I think she's a, she protects her husband. Uh, and at all costs, and I think she wants, you know, she, I mean, who doesn't like being first lady, but except for Melania, maybe. Yeah, right. But I, um, <laughs> I think <laughs> she wants, she wants him, she feels he can win, she feels, you know, she believes, of course, she believes in him, it's her husband, and that, uh, you know, he's, he's the, 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 the much better alternative to what we, you know, to Trump. And uh, that uh, there's no reason why he, you know, he can, he can do it. He can, he can hang in there another four years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we're starting to, we're starting to look like this could be a real possibility. There, there's been times, and I've been wrong a million times before, especially when it comes to Biden, because I, I remember we did a show, and and I titled it "Bye Bye Biden," and that was before South Carolina came along. And it just looked like Biden was completely gone. And this is obviously before the uh, he was elected president, before he got the nomination. But he looked like a disaster. He looked like there was no way that this guy was going to survive. That's what I mean. And there's an old saying in politics, if you don't like the way things are going, just wait. Ten minutes, everything could be completely different. And if you just ask his old buddy uh, Jim Claiborne from South Carolina, and uh, and and really the the establishment they all got behind Biden 
in South Carolina, and they said, here we go, we gotta, we got to do it. I, I personally think that Biden is, um, you know, like he's, he's the most made fun of, well, Trump, Trump and Biden. Um, I, I don't know, presidents have been made fun of quite a bit. I mean, George W. Bush, boy, they, they made fun of him about his intelligence, you know, not about his uh, senility. Reagan was made fun of about senility. You know, comedians had a, a field day with him. Um, Bush, uh, the the first Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, they made fun of him originally as vice president as being a wimp. And I mean, this is a guy who, you know, jumped out of airplanes and uh, and was a war hero. He was shot down in, um, in I think, in the South Pacific in World War II. <laughs> I mean, this guy wasn't, this guy was no wimp. I mean, that's for sure. But no, uh, no, he wasn't, no. His voice, his voice sounded a little wimpy and, and Lee Atwood simply slowed down his speech and uh, and and uh, lowered the register of his voice and uh, and and did great things to to get away from that wimpy thought. But as president, I don't know uh, if if Herbert Walker Bush was made fun of that much. Just uh, you know the fact that no new taxes, read my lips. You know the fact that he misspoke and that he lied or that you know whatever it was that. He went uh, went above there, but you know he lost really because Perot sucked votes from him, and you know that's why we had President Clinton and 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 her husband uh, Bill uh, as uh, as <laughs> the uh, uh, successors to uh, to George Herbert Walker Bush um, is is because of that. But uh, anyway, his son was made fun of unmercifully. Clinton was made fun of because of his. Um, you know his uh, his honesty and his or his dishonesty, whatever you want to call it. And in addition to that, um, his uh, his infidelity. And again, Melissa Iteljoran.com, uh, great place to watch the documentaries. Frank McKay here with Melissa. Uh, you know your comment on on all of that. Um, everybody's kind of made fun of. Biden is being made fun of, kind of in the same way that. Uh, that Ronald Reagan was in his last uh, last term. Would you would you say that? Uh, yeah, I mean there, there's always criticism um, of, of, of of presidents, and uh, but um, you know in their images. Oh yeah, George George W. Bush is was wimpy. Well, the, the father was considered wimpy, but he was a World War Two, you know, World War Two hero. Uh, you know, he was a you know, I guess a very you know a studious uh, person, a very in, industrialist and industrial, and and um, and again, you know, don't forget his connections with the CIA. He ran the CIA under Nixon, and before that, you know, he had connections with the government. I mean, there yeah. there, there were rumors that conspiracy, uh, the, the conspiracy theory that George H. W. Bush was in the the Dallas vicinity the day of the. JFK assassination, and uh, for some reason he was spotted there. I don't know what he was doing. He claimed uh, when when they asked him what you know where were you, he said I don't remember. Wow. <laughs> Most people who were alive then will say yeah I was here I was there I was you know I heard the news when I was walking the street or whatever. You know most people who who remember that who who were alive then um, have some memory of that. Well, why did why didn't he or his wife? the late Barbara Bush remember where they were then. Yeah, that's, you know, I've never heard that before. Isn't that funny? But it's kind of like 
9-11, like if you ask somebody, you know, uh, who was of, of age of remembering where they were during 9-11, most of us know, and, and Kennedy, everybody seems to know where they were when, when JFK um, was, uh, was assassinated. Um, uh, everybody, I mean, everybody has a story about where they were. You know, the, uh, the people that are older than us, um, you ask them where, uh, where they were when the Beatles were on uh, Ed Sullivan. I mean, they <laughs> kind of know. Where were you when they, the moon landing? You know, uh, you were in your, your TV set or you were in front of your friend's TV set there. But, um, you know, where were you when you heard? And for the president of the United States to say, I don't remember where I was when, um, when JFK was there. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's, that's actually pretty ridiculous. I never heard that. Isn't that funny? Yeah, well, it's come out recently, you know. Uh, uh, you know, there's a new, um, there's a new account of the JFK assassination. You may, you may have seen this. It's a new book that came out, um, written by a, uh, a one of the, I guess, junior agents that signed to the the president's uh, Secret Service details on that day. He worked with Clinton, Jesse Kennedy's Secret Service agent, who was the there, you know, the first agent to jump on the cart to go to the president's machine. The shots rang out, and this agent, it was young, he, um, and he, I understood the most years inside, he's going to write, going to put out some years ago. Hill actually dissuaded him and said, don't go there, you know, you know, open up a can of worms, just let it be, and then he, he couldn't work without his feet. Now, and he said that he discovered the, the the magic blood or whatever it was on the seat of uh, next to the president in the memo, uh, and he took it. And then in the chaos of the day, he left it on the stretcher next to the president, and somehow it got shuffled around. But he he thought he shots coming from the front, so he was he, his whole book just puts all this in you know all these, the Warren Commission and others there you know out the window. But a lot of people are wondering, you know, how reliable is he after six years? You know, memories come and go. They change. They they vary. And, and with age, quite the same. Yeah, no question. Um, yeah, that's that's fascinating. I, and and you're right about you know you know time goes on and uh, how good is anybody's memory right then and why is this just coming out uh, now? Uh, that's fascinating. We could do a whole show on what you just talked. We, I don't think we have. Maybe somewhere around the anniversary, we should do a whole show on the JFK uh, assassination because there are so many theories. It is such a big, big deal on it, um, on on every level. But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, uh, you know, Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, um, becoming controversial in that. By the way, CIA uh, head, as you mentioned, but also the. Uh, I think was he the UN ambassador or was he the ambassador to China? But he was he was uh, uh, he was really he really had some career, um, uh, you know, very intelligent guy, very tough guy too. Uh, the wimp stuff is just uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, again, Frank McKay here with Melissa Itell Jarn, and uh, each and every week you can catch us binge listen to so many of the things that uh, we've talked about in the past. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, Melissa Itell John. Uh, so really what we're talking about here is we're talking about all the things that presidents 
are made fun of for. And, uh, you know, you get into ageism, you get into uh, mental health issues or whatever. But uh, as I started saying earlier, uh, before South Carolina, I wrote off Biden. I was like, Biden's dead. It's going to be Bernie Sanders. And then the powers that be came in and they got behind him and um, in South Carolina, and he basically ran the table. And the powers that be probably were the Clintons, the Obamas, the mainstream Democrats that are there. So we don't know what's going to happen here with uh, with Trump, with uh, with Biden. Uh, is it going to be a um, uh, you know a, a repeat showdown, or is uh, is this it? Is uh, is uh, uh, there something going to happen and we're going to have Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis. You know, who knows what's going to happen? We don't know how that's all going to play out. But is is Trump slipping in at all in the in this primary numbers? Because last week uh, when we were talking, I think he was at 40. He had a 40 point lead over the next closest uh, competitor. Is he still at that point? Well, he's starting to fall a little bit. You know. What is he now? Well, it, you know, I don't, I don't think he's he's that high yet, uh, and I don't think, um, I think his uh, his his competition. You, we had a lot going on there, uh, but uh, your your take on on all of that, I mean, is. Uh, could this turn into a pocketbook voting election where uh, w- where people just simply say, are you better off four years ago now uh, than you are right now? Are you better off now than you were four years ago? Like Reagan said uh, in the in the Carter debate, uh, can Trump say the same thing and, and get away with that? Trump will probably do that. He's done it already. You know, are you, are you, are you, he'll probably phrase it as, do you regret, you know, not, not, voting for me do you miss me <laughs> i mean if we get this far right. I mean, it's very possible because the republican party is not standing in the way of of his getting the nomination yeah what about the 14th amendment um i, I mean how how viable is that have you uh, have you paid much attention to that argument because there are people that are making that that argument is it uh can it be can it be had um can it be um, enforced by law, and um, you know, you brought up the point that his his buddies in the Supreme Court they didn't back him up on on uh, January sixth on on that whatsoever. Um, they may be thinking, all right, thank you very much, Mr. President, for putting us here, but we're not gonna we're not gonna drink the Kool Aid for you. Yeah, well, they can say that he's you know the, the, that's the insurrection clause, and that was that was per. You know, that was first. Um, uh, that was that that was originally mentioned. That was written because of the Civil War. You know, if you were a Confederate, uh, you know, uh, military person, official, and you supported this, you know, the Confederacy uh, during uh, the Civil War, you were ineligible to to um, uh, obtain public office. And they're going to try to do the same thing with him. There are a lot of a lot of people who want that. Now, the funny thing is, you know, Alan Dershowitz. Who says he wants to give Trump the the right to run so that he can vote against him? Because yeah. uh, and 
I can't figure that out. There's no way Alan Dershowitz is voting against Trump anyway. You know, no. he loves he Trump. Wants the reason. He loves right, but he wants the ability to vote. He's going to vote for Biden. Yet he's, you know, he's 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 supporting everything. You know, he's he's giving. He wants Trump to have the right to vote to run. And 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 on the other hand, he's, he admits that the charges are quite serious. So, you know, there you have it. And Dershowitz is a. Uh, is a is a Trump buddy and a Trump apologist. Um, he masks himself, and I always had a great deal of respect for him as a uh, as an uh, as an attorney. I mean, as a legal mind, he's just amazing. I think he was Harvard, right? Harvard professor. Well, he was a Harvard law professor, Harvard, you know, emeritus professor of law, and I mean, he's just uh, he's a celebrity, and he he hobnobs with uh, you know. Um, uh, Woody Allen and and and, and oh, I don't know just a ton of other people and you know and he he bemoans the fact that nobody went to see him on when he was in, in, on Martha's Vineyard. I mean, as though he's the first person everybody wants to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, I think Obama probably has him beat there and some of the I Kennedy. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. Well, it's it's amazing. Well, look, we started out talking about. Uh, we, we started talking uh, talking about um, what could we uh, uh, you know what what could we expect from a slip in the in the polls from uh, Trump if the Republicans see that Trump can't beat Biden uh, maybe they rally maybe they re- rally uh, behind somebody and if um, you know look we're gonna get through uh, we're gonna get through Iowa we're gonna get through uh, New Hampshire when do they happen by the way when does Iowa and New Hampshire happen? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think that well, the, the it's not February, right? Is it February? Or yeah, or it, it used to be January. Maybe it is February. I know a lot of things are going to coincide with Trump's court dates. I think Super Tuesday is in March, and that's one of Trump's big court dates. Yep. And then he's the Georgia trial. The I'm sorry, yes, the Georgia trial. They wanted that in October, late October. Yeah. I don't know where that's going. A lot of things are going to be, you know, he's going to be, I don't know how he's going to be on the campaign trail if he's got all these court dates, you know, hanging over him. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just, what a circus. Anywhere, anywhere Trump is, it's just, you know, he's the ringleader and he's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, uh, it's just a, a circus anywhere where you go and it's going to be more of the same. Uh, any, any final thoughts? Well, I think things are going to start, you know, start to come to the surface. You know, as we get, you know, we're in the, well, actually the fall starts in a few days. Yep. Uh, but as the fall campaign season, you know, goes into full motion, I think a lot of things are going to become apparent. And uh, and the Trump legal drama is far from over. It's only just beginning. The third uh is it the second debate? The second Republican debate is very soon. I think it's next week, and then there's a third one for November. Uh, so I think we're going to gradually see some candidates not uh, either you know dwindle uh, or drop out or not make the you know make make the cut for the third debate. So uh, it's um, you know unless something dramatic happens, you know the, the Democratic Party decides they want somebody else and they're going to push uh, Joe Biden out on some you know. Uh, and, and, and given you know, drum drum up some excuse to get him out and put in probably Michelle Obama, who God knows who else. Um, well, if Michelle Obama's put in, then it's I think it's all over to be honest with you. 
Um, yeah. Not that I'm a fan necessarily, but um, no. but she would be very hard to beat. Yeah, it's possible, but who knows? Who knows what's going to be? We we can't really predict. It's, it's that's true. You know, we we just have to sit back and and let things play out. Yeah, it's amazing. As always, we thank everyone for listening. Yes, we do. We really do. Thank you very much, everyone. We know you have a lot of options. Thanks for listening to us. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Melissa Itell Juran Show. You've been listening to Melissa Itell Duran and co-host Frank McKay on Breaking It Down Radio.